Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. So this evening we will look more specifically at anxiety, and the title of uh, tonight's message is Anxiety, Getting Out of Tomorrow. And uh, really that's what some of the challenges that we have just as people is staying in today. We talked about how uh, this morning in depression um, uh, we get stuck um, in the past, and uh, with anxiety we tend to have anguish over the future. And the challenge is to stay in today. And so thank you so much for being here. Pastor, thank you so much for, uh, for caring about, uh, about this subject. Uh, do be in, uh, um, in prayer. I have a couple more meetings this month, um, mental health meetings. Be uh, going out to Colorado in a couple weeks, and then another meeting um, here in the L.A. area. And it's just exciting. It's a blessing to me that there are a number of churches um, really throughout this country that are really starting to care about this subject and open up the conversation. It's an important subject, right? And, and we all hurt, we all have pain, and uh, being able to uh, tackle the issue from a biblical perspective is really, really important. Um, tonight, it'll be a, a bit of a review for, for a lot of you. Um, last, our first time here, um, there'll be some elements of this message from the first go-around here, Mental Health Sunday in 2019, and then last year during the shutdown, um, when I was preaching to a phone, right, and uh, I preached to, uh, um, you know, on the live stream, and so I was, was feeling bad about that. I was like, well, a lot of you have heard this, but at the same time, it was live, it was live stream, and we all know what live stream church was like, right? And, uh, and I remember those days, and, th and thank God for technology, right? That was just a weird time. Don't, don't want to go back to that, right? And uh, I remember pe people posting uh, pictures on social media, how they were all dressed up for church, and I'm in my flannel pajamas, man, and, and uh, people, they've got their Bible, and I've got, I've got chips and dip and ice. Man, I was having a good, I, I loved it, right? And, and, uh, and uh, you can judge me all you want. Maybe you dressed up and maybe you were all sitting up straight. I'm in my recliner. I'm reclined back. And I felt a little bit bad. Is that, is that wrong? Is that ungodly while the preaching's happening that I'm sitting back in a recliner? But, but I did. And, uh, and I was comfortable. And I, I went to church. Don't get me wrong. And I worshiped and, and listened to the pastor. And I even typed out an amen, right? And, uh, and, and the prayer hands emoji went up a couple times too. I mean, we just kept that spirit. Amen. And so I understand, hey, here's the truth. It's just not the same, all right, online. It's just not the same. Thank God. I mean, if we have to do that, then we had to do we had to do it at the time, right? But thank God we're not doing that anymore. All right. And so if some of this is review um, to you, then it, it just didn't stick the first time, right? And that I, I do believe this is what God has for us. Um, this evening, anxiety, getting out of tomorrow. Let's, let's pray. Father in heaven, we need you. Uh, thank you for, for a good day. Thank you for uh, a number of people who have reached out and who have just been honest. Um, and uh, just the different, the many stories that we could tell people in this room here this, this morning of, 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 of deep pain and deep valleys. But not only that, but, but of your healing and the power of your word and the importance of the church family, God. And we thank you so much for that. And I, I just pray, God, that you give us wisdom now as we look in your word, that you'd help uh, those of us who, who struggle with anxiety, um, that you, you'd help us to, uh, you give us healing if, if, uh, if healing is in your will, uh, but help us to manage that or what have you, or those of us who are trying to support or help those uh, with, with some anxiety issues, that you give us grace in that as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. By way of review, we looked at this morning, Psalm chapter 42, verse number 5, a couple really important words um, in that verse. The Bible says there, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Here is the psalmist. He's struggling. He's talking to himself. Self-examination. There's nothing wrong with that. That's important, right? So he's asking himself some really important questions. First one, why am I cast down? Why am I sinking? Why am I depressed? And, and we can see just understanding how our brains work and what we are naturally as people, that, that negative stuff 
hits us harder than positive stuff. And so we need to make sure we, uh, we set boundaries when we need to and, and not be in toxic relationships and, and make sure we're part of a, of a, a vibrant church family and and we're, we're making connections, and we're, uh, we're doing things with people who are, who are positive and, and godly and encouraging. But also this next question, why art thou disquiet in me? And so the psalmist, man, he's, he's, he's suffering with this depression. He is sunken. He's been cast down. But also there's an anxiety he's dealing with. And you'll see oftentimes people speak of depression and anxiety. They have this struggle, both of these at the same time. Why? Because how our brains work, a lot of these circuits are just interconnected and they kind of work together. And sometimes they go together, um, unfortunately. And so that word disquieted uh, means to, to be in great commotion. It talks about a loud noise. So those that struggle with anxiety, it's as if there is just this constant buzzing, this constant noise inside. For some people, it's really, really torturous and there and very, very apparent. Um, and for others of us, it's just kind of this humming there that makes us a little bit more reactive to the negative stimuli of our lives that maybe you don't have yourself, but some people have that. It's important to be understanding of it and to, to understand it uh, properly. Depression, anguish over the past. Anxiety, anguish over the future. But also really important to differentiate between worry and anxiety, all right? I know because of our understanding of the word anxiety, we think first and foremost that, hey, that you just need to trust God, right? You need to trust God more and have faith in God. And, and I'm not discounting those things. Of course, we need to be people of faith, right? Now, so worry is concern over a potential negative event, right? So worry is, is thinking about something bad that might happen. So that's that disquieted commotion inside of a lot of us who just are going through life and there's just stuff happening, right? Maybe there's just some, some financial um, tightness or there's a, a relational strains and just so constantly we live with this, this little bit of commotion there that's just, it's just beneath the surface, but it's there. And then when something happens, we kind of explode a little bit right? And that's, that's, that's what we're talking about. Their worry is concern over a potential negative event. Anxiety, all right? Anxiety, just to make sure we've got the semantics right, anxiety is the disproportionate or inappropriate physical response to a potential negative event. So in essence, worry is thinking about potential bad things. Anxiety is physically feeling it. And so not everybody has the anxiety part of it, we can start to see that the end of the month is coming and we've got more month and we have money, right? And we start to think about that and get concerned and, and, and maybe get a little bit scared and that, that can be worry, right? And you think about it and you're worried about that. Others actually might have some actual physical symptoms of that, whether it be a racing heart, right? Um, palpitations, nausea, muscle tension, grinding teeth. All those are, 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 are red flags, things that you should, that really we should examine in ourselves. If, if we're having some of those things, having trouble sleeping, we talked about this morning, that could be a red flag. If you're tired, let's say you, you get seven plus hours of sleep every single night on a regular basis, but you're still tired then there's, there's a reason that your sleep isn't actually restful. That's a red flag. We have to consider what is the noise. So there's still noise going on while you're asleep, believe it or not. And, and there's, there's incredible and interesting studies on that when people study sleep and there's, there's REM sleep that's going on and your brain is doing some stuff and, may, and processing information. And there's that really deep sleep when, re, when things really, really shut down and when your body gets a, um, gets a chance to rest. People with depression and anxiety spend a whole lot more time in REM sleep. Things are firing off, noise, commotion, and not enough time in that deep, restful sleep when the body just really has a chance to shut down and slow down. It's this commotion and it's noise that just exhausts you. So anxiety is that physical response, disproportionate. It's, it's inappropriate. And usually there's, there's some type of trauma that caused that in people with an anxiety, anxiety disorder. And so we're going to take a look at that in, in two, uh, two different ways. The, the worry part of it, all right, I think we all can use some tools to fight worry and not be worriers. And then there's the anxiety, the, the, 
the disorder part of it, the physical part of it. Why am I feeling scared? And there's nothing scary going on right now, right? Why is my heart racing? And there really should be no reason for me to, why am I nausea? Why can't I sleep? All those different things, and those need to be dealt with in, in different ways. And so understanding the brain really is just a fascinating thing. God designed this thing up here, and it is amazing. So think of the brain uh, like you would think about a choir, and I'm excited. Hey, one of these, in, in the next few months, we're going to relaunch choir, and pastors talked about um, you know, what we're doing with the platform, and it's, it's going to be amazing. If we could have 60, 70 voices up here and, 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 and blending in and, and harmony, it's going to be great. And you think of a choir, if you ever sung in a choir, a choir has sections, right? And so you think of a choir, it has a soprano section, they typically carry the melody, the alto section, they, they bring depth, and, and uh, you've got the bass section. Who knows what basses do? Um, and then you've got the tenor section. That is the glory part. That's the beauty, the power of the, of the group. You've got the tenor section. Amen, Andy, Daryl, right? And, uh, and, and so it's, you know, it, you've got everybody's doing their own unique thing, but they all work together. Now, with a choir, then you also have a choir director, right? And the choir director keeps time, and he could make it go faster if he wants, or he could slow it down. He could make it go louder. He could bring it back down. The choir director is really important. Sometimes, right, we said the soprano section usually carries the melody, so they're usually prominent. But sometimes, oh, you want, you want some stuff right? You want some fan, you want some power, you want, so you get the tenors going, and you get the tenors, and tenors can be divas sometimes, right? But you know, hey, well, us tenors, we, we like to hit those big notes, and we, we like to invert some of these harmonies, right, and bring those, those things over the top, but we can't stay up there the whole time because we'll drive people crazy, all right, tenors? And, uh, and so we've got to, as much as we like those big power notes, it's not all about staying up there at you know, triple forte, all that stuff. Sometimes we have to bring that thing back down and then tenors settle down a little bit and bring the melody back over here to the soprano section and everything is back in balance, all right? But what if the tenor section, you know, Andy or Daryl says, man, I like those high Gs, man. Let me, let me take those things up. Let me get my breath support out. Let me belt that thing out, man. Everybody loves these notes, right? But it's not time for that. Everybody's singing down here really chill and quiet and settled down, right, and subtle, and the tenors are punching things out inappropriately. You know, then, then hey, it's going to be a noise, a, uh, you know, a, a tumult, a commotion that's not well balanced. That's what happens in our brains with depression and anxiety. So our brains have different sections. There's a section called the, the thalamus that takes in sensory information. So you've got the, uh, the thalamus that, is, that sees the stuff that we see and hear and smell and taste. And, and, and then you've got the, the amygdala that, uh, uh, that is the emotional part of the brain, right? Nothing wrong with that. God designed that, right? And then you've got the hippocampus, which is the memory center of the brain. And, and uh, let's say the hypothalamus, which, uh, which, which triggers the, the panic part of the brain, right? And all those are important, right? We want the panic. Uh, uh, the panic part of our brain because that keeps us safe. And here's the interesting thing. So the hypothalamus, the panic, the, the part of the brain that jumpstarts the panic response works in conjunction with the hippocampus. The hippocampus stores memories, right? When something bad happens to us, God designed our brains to protect us, to keep us alive, to keep us safe. And so there's a memory marker that's set in the hippocampus. All right, bad event happened. What else happened around that bad event, all right? We're going to make a note of that because if some of these things come together again, we are going to try to avoid that. We don't want to do that ever again, all right? So bad event happened, whatever it is. You're walking, you're walking in a neighborhood and just minding your own business, and the dog comes out from, from around the, the corner just snarling at you. And before you get a chance to even consciously think about it, what happens? Panic response goes up. Your blood pressure goes up, right? Your muscles tense, being ready to fight or flee, right? And your, your, uh, uh, your senses are, are heightened, and, and you're aware of everything. And, and, and all this happens in a split second without us even, ha even, have, even having to consciously think, oh, that is a chihuahua. I need to be scared. And I'm just, you know, that, that's not true. If it's, a, if it's a chihuahua, then, you know, field goal. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's wrong. That's wrong. Don't do that. All right. But, you know, whatever it is, you know, it says, oh, that's a pit bull. And I man, I need to be scared right now and be ready to fight or flee. No. Our brains are so amazing. We don't have to think about it. The thalamus is already making, um, 
uh, taking inventory of everything around us subconsciously. Right now, understand our brains, our brains are always asking the question, am I safe? Right? So right now, you're not thinking about it, but your brain, our brains, have already taken inventory of who's around you. So your brain, you're not thinking about it, knows who's sitting next to you and has decided danger or friend, right? Now you're thinking about it, right? Now you're thinking about it. But before you even thought about it, your brains already knew, hey, there's somebody over there, there's somebody over there, there's an animal over there, what have you. Brains are, the brain is always asking the question, am I safe? But here's the problem. When traumatic events occur, a memory marker is set, the hypothalamus, all this working together, and let's say you were in the neighborhood and you just passed a green trash can, right? Another one, a green trash can. Brain remembers green trash can, snarly pit bull, very dangerous, all right? Sets that memory marker. Next time you might see a, a green trash can and all of a sudden your heart will, will flutter a little bit, right? Why? It's the brain saying, okay, hold on a second. Something bad happened last time I saw a green trash can. We at least need to be aware of this thing, right? That's anxiety. Well, that's natural. Anxiety is when this part of the brain is ramped up a little bit. There's just this little buzz of, okay, wait a minute. What's going on? What's happening here? And there are green trash cans everywhere you look. And so anxiety... While the brain is asking, am I safe, anxiety defaults to answering it negatively and always answering, no, I'm not safe, often subconsciously, all right? It's not even thinking about it. Just like with the dog coming out of nowhere, you don't have to think about it. And then right now, hey, you might be walking around and, and don't realize what's going on, what you've seen, what you've heard, what you've experienced, and all of a sudden you're feeling this anxiety, you're scared about something, and you have no, there's no reason to be scared about, but your brain has taken inventory of something. That's why one of the, um, one of the most powerful things, important things, that somebody that deals with trauma-based anxiety is to do some journaling every day. And we'll talk a little bit more specifically on that, and just figure out, okay, what are these things that are triggering me? Why, why did that happen? Why did I get nauseated at that time? I, I have no idea why that happened. But if you pay attention to what's happening in your life, you might be able to pinpoint um, some triggers and make some adjustments, uh, just adjustments to life. So first, let me talk about worry-based anxiety, all right? Worry-based anxiety. We all do it, right? Now, I understand, like I said uh, this morning, they're, they're in a room this size. There are a couple of you who are Hebrews 11 Hall of Faith people. You don't ever worry about anything. You could tackle any storm with just with, with strong faith, right? And so thank God. Hey, we need you strong people around, but we don't need you around here to criticize us. We need you to support the feeble-minded and to support the weak. That's your job if you're the strong one. But those of us who maybe struggle with worry, at the same time, hey, we need to take responsibility of ourselves, figure out why are we worriers, and work on it, right? So I'm not giving you um, uh, an excuse to just stay in your worry and stay in your anxiety. This, that is not what it's all about. We should understand it and then, of course, grow where we need to grow. And maybe in, in this area in your life, if you're a worrier and your anxiety is worry-based, there's some things that we can all do to help us grow in this area. I think of first um, Isaiah uh, chapter 26 and verse 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. So the first thought I want to give you is to guard your thought life. We talked about that some uh, uh, this morning. See, a lot of this, there's going to be some crossover because they're, um, they're, they're, they're interconnected. And so be careful. So Isaiah, once again, tells us, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. All right, when we're worrying, when we're anxious, we're obviously, we're not in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee. Now, be honest with yourself. How much time do you um, spend every day thinking about and pondering worrisome, troubling things, right? And so that's where we need to be careful. So if you have a worry problem, then hey, maybe you need to shut off the news, right? I'm saying if you have a worry problem, 
And I'm not saying you need to, and I, I like to, I, not I like to watch the news, but I do. I, I watch the news. I give myself about 20 minutes, um, uh, 20 minutes a day just to see what's going on in the world. I don't want to be completely ignorant, uh, all right? And just so I know what's going on, but it's 20 minutes. I'm not going to binge. Now, I have a few times in my life. There was an election, you know, a few months ago, and I kind of watched that thing for many, many hours, and I had to catch myself because I was getting frustrated, and I wanted to shout at people, I wanted to fight people, and I'm just kidding. You know, I just, you know, but I had to catch myself and be, I said, hold on, I've, we've got to shut this thing down, right? And so, yeah, if you're really interested in what's going on in the world, I'm not saying completely ignore it, all right, but at least give yourself a time limit on it. Don't binge on it. And that, that could be what's kicking up your worry because we're pondering all these troubling things for many, many hours in the day. I mean, yeah, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Social media. I enjoy social media. I do. I like keeping in contact with friends and getting to know people, people who were, um, you know, were college uh, friends and all that stuff. I like, I like watching your kids score touchdowns and flag football. I do. I enjoy that stuff. I do. But then sometimes there are people who get on their political, you know, conspiracy or whatever stuff that just drive me nuts, right? And you know, Facebook has a snooze feature, right? So if there is a season in which that's really politically fired and you have a friend that, I mean, if you need to unfriend them, you need to unfriend them, but maybe you don't need to unfriend your friend, but you know they're going to be going to town with some of their thoughts and their ideas, and it's going to drive you nuts. You can snooze them for, you know, a few days, right? You need to protect your thoughts. You need to protect your thoughts. So guard your thoughts. Keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. So so practical things like, uh, of course, like memorizing scripture and, and uh, instead of watching the news, maybe listening to preaching or, or, or podcasts or things like that, things that, that, uh, that draw you towards God, um, listening to music. And I don't want, hope you don't understand, uh, misunderstand what I was talking about this morning as far as sometimes for the depressed, those with the heavy hearts, singing songs to them, music for the depressed sometimes can be far from comforting. And it's a scripture. So it's, it's, it's Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 25. It's there in scripture. It's just something to be aware of. But I found for me, when I'm uh, struggling with some anxiety, that music tends to help me in that. And then you might be able to find your, your, your way in that, the specific things. And, and for me, when I'm, a, uh, when, when I'm having some anxiety, um, I, I need more upbeat music. Um, just stuff that's a little faster and, and, uh, and has, you know, just has, has percussion, timpanies and orchestral stuff, right? And, uh, you know, it, it's it just things that really, um, that, that lift my spirits, those type of things for me. Hey, for you, it might be soothing classical music, right? And that's fine just for me. I, I don't know, for whatever reason, it's not really relaxing to me. It's, it's boring. And, um, and it's for you, it might be banjos, for me, I, I, I want to kick things when I, and, and, and so I, I should have said that because now we're going to have somebody with a family with banjos up here. I don't mind uh, a band, but just for me, it's just not my thing um, when, when I'm having anxiety. But if I could listen to some, some worship music or some Southern gospel quartet music that's really bouncy and, and upbeat and all those things, for me, it settles me down in the moment. And so for you, that could be as well, helps keep your mind stayed upon thee, upon Jesus Christ. Um, next, intentionally remember times when it was obvious God was in control. Intentionally remember times when it was obvious God was in control. Now, we're believers, so we know, at least deep down, right, that God is in control. We know that. We, we, we all know that, but there are times when it just doesn't feel like it, right? Like I said, hey, this is not for you Hebrews 11 people, right? But for the rest of us, sometimes it just doesn't feel like God is in control. And we know he is, but it doesn't feel like it. And so if you're a worrier and you just struggle with that type of anxiety, then intentionally, meaning once again, uh, keeping a journal with those things. So maybe every single day you're going you're gonna to write down um, this event or, or a season in life where, hey, you didn't think God was in control, but then he came through in a very evident way and just, and just remember those things. And, and we, we see that in Psalm chapter 77. 
verse number 10, and I said, this is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Interesting statement in Scripture. So the Asaph is saying, okay, this is what I'm, I'm going to remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Now, most everybody, most humans are right-handed. So that's where we have control. We write with, we write with our right hands. Um, I'm right-handed. If I throw a football, I throw with my right hand, right? Um, if I try to throw with my left hand, I don't have the control, then I throw like a girl, all right? And it's just, it's just I don't have the control. And so that's what that, that, uh, that phrase is all about. I'm going to remember the, the years of the right hand of the Lord. Those years were, I just knew. It was clear. There was no doubt in my mind. I saw it. And yes, we are supposed to live by faith and walk by faith, not by sight. But it's okay in those times where you need to see because God sometimes does show us right? I mean, it's true. God sometimes does show us, oftentimes in life, He shows it, and, and, and it's real, and it's evident, right? And so in those moments of life where we don't know, it doesn't feel like it's in control, and you have some anxiety, then intentionally remember those seasons where, hey, so every day with your, with your, Bible, your, with your Bible reading, you've got a journal as well, and you could get journal apps for your tablet or phone, and then you're just going to intentionally do it and not just think about it, but there has to be an intentionality, and you're going to write down, okay, there was a season in life, and then all of a sudden God, God brought groceries from someone or what have you, and, or somebody fixed my car, and we were praying, we didn't know how, and, and you're going to intentionally do it. Asaph said, I'm going to remember those years. I'm going to remember those years. And that does us some good as well. Because you might be in a season right now where it feels like it's all left-handed, right? You're just lot, there's, it's chaos, there's no control. But there were a lot of years where it was right-handed, right? Most of our lives, it was, it's right-handed. And it's clear that God is in control. And those just con considering and pondering those seasons, it's what helps get us through the left-handed seasons, all right? So intentionally remember those. And then, number three, keep a gratitude journal, Keep a gratitude journal. Yes, I'm talking about journaling a lot, right? And, and I know the men are like, journaling? What am I going to do? No, I'm going to jump. I just go outside and shoot things. I feel better, right? And, uh, but hey, if you're a worrier, you've got uh, anxiety, right? This might be something that you might want to um, uh, add to your, um, I'd like to call it a daily arsenal um, uh, as we battle uh, depression, anxiety, worry, things like this. Uh, and you know, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says this, be careful for nothing, all right, full of care for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Here's the thing about, uh, and, uh, and you can just look this up. I don't have time. I can read you case study and clinical trial and brain scan studies and things like that of people who are, uh, are just thinking uh, thoughts of gratitude and the incredible things that happen in the brain powerful um, neuro, uh, neurotransmitters are, are released and surge through our bodies just when we are thankful. I mean, incredible things. You just Google it yourself, right? Just, uh, just, just uh, Google the physiology of gratitude. It's amazing. But here's the thing. So the Bible makes a big deal of gratitude, right? And so now science is catching up to Scripture. All this time, Scripture is saying, thank God and bless God, and we need to be people um, who, who, are, who are gracious and have gratitude and are thankful for things and, and thankful in all things, and it does powerful things physiologically as well. And so one of the things, yes, hey, um, we, things that can ease our anxieties, and we could think of music, and of course, ec getting exercise, and being out in the sunshine, all those different things, but maybe an unexpected part of your arsenal is just gratitude, a gratitude journal. Every single day that you commit to writing five to eight things down, all right, to be thankful for in that day. And so it's really important to have three standard, three to five standard life things, because every once in a while we have those days where we think through it and like, Man, there was nothing to be thankful for that day. That, that day was terrible. I'm glad I'm, you know, you'll be th I'm thankful that that day is over, right? We could frame it in that way. And sometimes we have days like that that are just thankful that that day is over. But here's another important part of gratitude. The Bible tells us to be thankful in all things. And not necessarily for all things. 
So for me, when I was having the panic attacks, they're scary. They're terrifying, right? And so um, I was guided and counseled that you, you have to, the brain has to make a shift about those things, and uh, there has to be some type of positive spin to a very scary event. And so when I would have a panic attack, of course, I, I was uh, taught how to do different breathing exercises, and that's something that you could go to YouTube or Google, breathing exercises for anxiety, really, really important. And I did that daily in preparation for, um, for a panic attack. It's, it's, it's almost like in, uh, in sports, um, you do drills over and over and over again. Why? It's muscle memory. So in the heat of the battle, your, your body knows how to do these different mo uh, movements just from muscle memory because you've practiced it. Same thing with those of us who have um, anxiety, maybe panic attacks or just anxiety episodes. Um, it's, it's easier if you've practiced, almost like muscle memory, when an, an anxiety event occurs to go to those breathing exercises and get those to help calm you down much quicker if you, that's just something that you do daily. And it's just a good way to relax and, and calm down. There, there's there's nothing, nothing, uh, nothing wrong with that um, at all. And so um, when I would have a panic attack, of course, I was never thankful for the panic attack, but the Bible says be thankful in all things. So when I calmed my system down, this came back to my sensible, rational self, right? When I, when I got everything calmed down, I would thank the Lord for something involved in the event. In So if I'm going to be thankful in all things, I have a panic attack. I'm not thankful for the panic attack, but I can be thankful that I got off the road safely. I thank God for that. I'm driving and here comes some, an anxiety event. I could be thankful that I was, I would thank the Lord God, thank you so much that nobody saw me. I know these seem sad, right? But no, really, that, that I was so thankful that nobody had to see me have a panic attack, and so I would thank God for those things. And so it's really important when, when an event like that happens is so that the brain still has some type of positive marker in that event, and the, the panic attack isn't as scary, so the brain can connect it to something positive, and it's that gratitude, that gratitude that is physiologically so very powerful. And then so we'll take a look at trauma-based anxiety. Trauma-based anxiety. Um, so anxiety, remember, it's, it's being stuck in one scene in a movie, right? So in depression, you're, you're in that movie or you're going through that TV show, and, and we're talking in the 90s now, right? You can't binge watch it, right? You don't have the streaming service. You got to watch the thing, and then all of a sudden, oh, to be continued, and it stops the show or the movie right there at the most tense part, right? And you can't wait till next week um, to watch the show, right? And so depression and anxiety is like that, where all of a sudden you are paused. You are stuck in one scene. In depression, you are stuck in that really, really sad scene that doesn't get resolved, that doesn't have a happy ending. That's depression. Anxiety, you're stuck in a scary scene, where you can't get back to safety. That's what anxiety is. And so usually uh, in trauma-based anxiety, there was some event or a number of events. And you can't, we can't discount our childhood, right? I mean, a, 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 lot of, a lot of believers have come from some really tough upbringings. And liter there's literal trauma in their childhoods, whether really watching a bad marriage, you understand that's, that's traumatic. Um, what I'm finding is as, as believers reach out, and I was surprised, um, I thought for sure um, most people would reach out for help that struggle with depression. But the biggest, I mean, the, the vast majority of people um, that reach out struggle with some type of anxiety. Anxiety, it's a, it's a big issue amongst believers. And some of them are finding that the trauma that they had to watch growing up was the trauma of watching hypocritical parents. Parents who dressed up for church and they sang Amazing Grace and they said amen and they sang in the choir and they taught Sunday school. And as soon as they were driving home, uh, dri driving home on that Sunday, I mean, it was just war in the family. And that, those type of things, they have sticking power, sticking power, traumatic events from our childhood or what have you, and then we get stuck in those things. So, first of all, just like this morning, morning acknowledge the condition. All right, this is, I, I have this issue. I have this issue. So I make no bones about it anymore. I, I do 
have an anxiety issue. Um, there is, a, a, for you, there are things for me, there are sounds for me that don't affect you at all because you don't have the same memory marker I have in here, right? But you have different memory markers that your hippocampus has stored and want, that your brain wants to, tr- uh, to protect you from that I don't have. Um, uh, a pastor uh, reached out to me in the last year, and he just said, I just have this weird thing, and, and God has blessed him. He's, he's got a wonderful, uh, wonderful family and a great church, and, but whenever he hears his children say, I'm hungry, he goes into a panic. And his children aren't ever legitimately hungry. There's always, they're well taken care of. Um, they're full-time in the ministry. There's always food in the house, but sometimes the kids are hungry. And if he hears those words, all of a sudden this thing wells up into him. Hey, just a few questions to realize that this man grew up truly poor, uh, grew up with no, literally no food in the house, uh, household at times, grew up with a mom who would, uh, um, who would, who would sell uh, uh, food vouchers and such for, uh, for drug money or trade them for drugs. I mean, that's what he grew up under. And he truly grew up in this chaos where he truly was hungry. And so for him, you know, for us, we don't have that memory marker, right? We hear our, our kids say, I'm hungry. We, we say, go, go mow the lawn or something, right? Go, uh, you know, go do the dishes. Um, you're just bored, right? Amen. Uh, boredom eating. Uh, it doesn't bother us, but some people have a different memory marker where that, those words are truly traumatic. And it's, so we're stuck. He's stuck in this scene of poverty and famine. Getting unstuck is the challenge. And it starts with that condition. Okay, this, this, is what, this is what's happened to me. This is what's happened to this pastor. He's grew up in this and really just acknowledging, oh, that's what's happened. Oh, that's why I'm irrational in this. Okay, I get it now. And being able to manage that, it's, it's certainly not as bad now for this man just because he knows, oh, that's where that's from. And he could reframe that. Okay, I don't live there anymore and my kids don't live there. And by the grace of God, they'll never live in a situation like that. And God's been good, right? And being able to manage that, <clears throat> excuse me, and really get victory over that just by acknowledging. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 this is a neat thought about Paul. Um, Paul is, uh, uh, the Apostle Paul is, uh, uh, he's been open in, in Scripture about having a thorn in his flesh. He asked God three times to take it away, right? I mean, that's a pretty godly man. He just, it was just three times. God says, no, he says, okay, God, your grace is sufficient. I'm good to go. We'll keep moving on, right? Most of us are not like Paul. Most of us are, are, are more like the widow that goes to the judge over and over and over and over and over again until the judge says, okay, I'll answer your prayer, right? I'll answer your request. That's how, how most of us are. But Paul had some type of thorn in his flesh, right? But he says this, that this thorn is the messenger of Satan. Now, here's just my opinion. Some people, Bible scholars or historians will tell you that, um, that Paul had some type of eye issue or something like that. It's not in Scripture. We don't know. For, it could be true. But for me, the language seems to point to some type of mental issue. He says, I have this thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. Wow. So there's some type of message that was his thorn. And then when we come to to 2 Corinthians 11, he's talking about all the exterior forces that have come against him. He's been shipwrecked. He's been stoned. He's been beaten. All these different things. And then in verse 28, he says this, Beside those things that are without, all right, the stoning, the shipwreck, the beatings, all those things, beside those things that are without, now he's going to talk about something, a problem he has inside, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Huh. I wonder if Paul, the care daily, this is a daily issue that he had. I wonder if it's possible, it's possible, this is my opinion, all right, that his thorn was this daily care, this daily anxiety of all the churches. Because he's clearly now made a shift. He's not talking about exterior stuff. Not talking about getting stoned. He's not talking about getting beaten. Now he's talking about daily he has this struggle of the care of all the churches that he's responsible for. That's, there's a lot of pressure in that, right? There's some stress in that. And he says, verse 29, who is weak and I am not weak. Wow, here's Paul. But one of the most powerful, spiritually powerful men to ever live. One of the most spiritually influential men to ever live. And he says, I got this daily care. 
If anybody's weak, I'm weak. And who is offended? And I burn not. And here I'm kind of on edge, right? Here's a, he's, he's, he's acknowledging, yes, I'm a little bit on edge. Yeah, we get offended, but man, I've got this fiery thing, this, this noise, this commotion, this disquietedness inside of him. Then he says this, if I must need glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. Wow. So Paul has come to a place where he acknowledges his infirmity, all right? But he's come to a place where he's, he's embraced it. He's embraced it. Now, that's a bigger challenge, right? Most of the time, I'm at peace with the fact that I'm different than when I was in July 2014. I'm more emotional. That bothers me. You know, I, I, I don't like being a crybaby, but at least I acknowledge it, and so I can do something about it in preparation for church, and I can have a handkerchief with me, and if I cry, I'm not going to beat myself up, I'm going to go ahead and just wipe the tears away, and it's fine, right? It's okay. It's, so I'm a little bit more emotional than I used to be. I have, a, I have this underlying anxiety issue, and so it's, I'm a little bit more high maintenance now. I've got to sit down or sometimes lie, lie down and, and take these deep breaths and close my eyes and, and, uh, and get focused on the moment on today so that my anxieties, I can clear those things up and I don't deal with stress as, as well I, as I used to. I used to be able to just shake off stress. Not anymore. I have to be really careful. And sometimes I have to watch my caffeine intake. And I love coffee, right? And so that's, a, that's something that is something that I have to do. If I know I'm coming into a stressful situation, then I'll, I'll have less coffee than I, than, I, than I normally will. There's some adjustments that I need to make. And that starts with we can make those adjustments. But we know, okay, I have this issue, so I have to be careful in this, with this issue, all right? Um, next, resist unwarranted condemnation. Resist unwarranted condemnation. So if, you, if you're experiencing trauma-based anxiety, and you might help, need help, some guidance, trying to figure out what that trauma was. Maybe it's evident in your life. Maybe you don't even realize what it was that your, your brain has this memory marker that keeps you on, on edge, more so than most people, right? But so resist unwarranted condemnation. Incredible story in Mark chapter 9, verse number 23. There's a man with a son who needed a miracle. He was possessed of a demon. He brought him to Jesus Christ and, and asked Jesus Christ to heal his son, to take the demon away. And Jesus Christ says this in verse number 23. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. We understand that, right? We need to be people of faith. We need to believe. Verse 24, and straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Now hold on, stop there real quick. Now, of course, on the outside, we want people to believe we're people of faith. Of course, I believe. I know this thing is rock solid. I know that God is going to come through. But most of us are like this man here. Is oh man, Jesus Christ knows the truth anyway. Might as well come clean. And he says, help thou mine unbelief. He says, yes, I believe. Oh, but I have a whole bunch of unbelief as well. And that's where we have to be. We make a mistake as Christians where we grab a hold of a statement like that and we're ready to pounce on our brother and sister in Christ. See, that's your problem. You need to give it to God, bless God, and you need to trust God more. And of course, you need to have faith in God and all those different things. But wait a minute now. How about we get to know Jesus? How about we condemn or offer grace like Jesus did? And so in this story, did Jesus Christ condemn him? He says, oh, I am the Alpha and the Omega, right? I am the way, the truth, and life. Of course, you can trust me. I've proven myself over and over again. How can you have all this unbelief? You see no condemnation. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ healed this man's son in spite of his unbelief. Why? Because Jesus is bigger than our unbeliefs. He's bigger. We all, hey, Every believer in here, you do have faith. You do. We beat ourselves up because we don't have Hebrews 11 faith, but we forget what Jesus Christ said. Hey, if you have faith as a little grain of mustard seed, God said, I can move mountains with that. I said, well, God, I have a whole bunch of unbelief. Well, well how much belief do you have? Just this little bit. And Jesus Christ says, okay, that's fine. I've got it. But we have a tendency to look at that little thing. It's like, oh, man, I don't measure up. And look at all these godly people around me and they, nothing bothers them and all this. And we look at this little thing and we beat ourselves up and we make things worse on ourselves with unwarranted condemnation. Don't forget, 
Jesus is bigger than your unbelief. And so get to know Jesus. Get to know if he's mad at some stuff, then let's be mad at the same stuff that Jesus Christ is mad at. But it's clear from Scripture here, he's not mad, he's not mad at our unbelief. As a matter of fact, he can still perform the miracles we need in spite of our unbelief. A couple more thoughts. Avoid triggers if you can. Avoid triggers if you can. That's scriptural. The Bible says, a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. So if you know something is going to be bad for you, the Bible says, just hide yourself from it. You don't need, we don't need, to, uh, you don't need to put yourself in that, that position if you don't need to. And so, so that, and that's okay. And, and, and for a time, I couldn't go to a, um, a, a flat, sand, well, I still can't, uh, a flat sandy beach with, with nothing to break it up. If there's no pier or no, um, no rocks or anything like that, I still can't do it. Um, if, I, if I try, usually my heart will race. I'll get nauseated. Why? Because I've got this memory marker that says, danger, somebody might die here. And of course, I want to get victory over that, but for, for now, I can't. And so I avoid it. But there are different kinds of beaches I, I can go to. So if, if there's there triggers, if you figure those out, you do your journaling and you pay attention to your life, and then if there's triggers that you can avoid, avoid, avoid. But sometimes you can't avoid it. And then, you know, just with some guidance, you can make some life adjustments with that to help handle those things. Gently expose yourself to triggers if you can, all right? Gently expose yourself to triggers if you can. Now, it's really important. See, see, PTSD sets in when we hide ourselves and don't deal with the pain or bad memories, and those things are going to pop up and explode on us. They will if we don't, if we don't deal with them. Um, recently, I was in a pretty bad traffic accident where there was a fatality involved. I know some of you know about it, and I appreciate your prayers, um, and I'm, I'm not going to talk about it from the pulpit. I don't mind talking about it privately. If you want to ask me about it, that's fine. Um, and uh, uh, I knew, at least I knew on this side of it, on this side of depression and anxiety, I knew I had to get back to driving eventually. I didn't want that to be something, a stronghold in me where I, I could not drive. Now, I forgot about it, and the very next day after this, uh, this traffic accident occurred, I got in the car, went to go to pick up something. I started to realize I started getting the panic. So what in the world? It's like, oh. So I just went back home. It's like, oh, came back home, and I was supposed to go get something to, for lunch. We had we, people that were coming over. I told Brennan, nope, can't do that right now, right? And that's okay. Even right now, Brenna does most of the driving at night. I hate it. I hate it, but it is what it is, right? But so what I did, because I didn't want that to be a stronghold in me, I knew I had to get in the car and drive. So I didn't drive on main streets. I drove around the neighborhood a little bit. And okay, I was okay. Just down a couple blocks, Make a left turn and another left turn back in the driveway. Okay, I'm all right, all right? And then a little bit later, I'll go a little bit farther around in the neighborhood, not into any main surface streets or anything like that, but just enough to maybe kick up the anxiety just a little bit, but remind my brain, it's okay. It's okay. We'll be all right. And did that gently. And so for the same thing for you, uh, if there's, there's something that there is triggering, maybe you can gently expose yourself. And you might need some guidance in that if you can. Um, we just you, you show that next picture there. This is my, my spot in Corona Del Mar. Um, I'm there once or twice or three times a week, and I love praying there. And um, uh, before we moved here, Brenna and I would, would come down once or twice a month, and we would sit in, in this. We would bring our, our chairs and uh, we would just read whatever for hours, or sometimes we just sit and talk for hours, or sometimes we just sit in silence for hours. And so I can be at this beach because it's just not a flat, sandy beach. If there's rocky bluffs around, you can see we sit right in that. This feels like a little elbow of the, of the bluff there, and I just feel like I'm hugged by the rocks, I guess. And so it doesn't remind me of ocean shores at all. And so I can sit there, and I can enjoy the ocean breeze, the smell of the ocean, and just sit there and enjoy it. But I purposely face north here. Because right now, if we get on the other side there of, you know, the opening there of Newport Harbor, it gets flat. I can't go there yet, but I'm hoping to. But at the same time, if it doesn't happen, it's okay. I'll stay in Corona Del Mar, right? But I'm hoping to just take some steps to finally be able to be completely comfortable in an area that right now causes some deep pain for me right now. But so it's, it's my way of gently exposing myself 
to a trigger. And then lastly, get out of tomorrow. Get out of tomorrow. And we'll finish with this verse. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. Matthew 6, 34. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. And Jesus says this interesting thing. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Sufficient unto the day, today, is the evil thereof. We've got enough stuff to concern ourselves with today. So let's get out of tomorrow. And so one of the, one of the things that, we, that can help our anxieties to get our minds out of tomorrow is to make sure we're taking care of our stuff today. And that's why the quarantine isolation was so unhealthy for humanity, right? Because you're sitting at home and there's only so many dishes you can wash and there's only so much, there's only so much sweeping of the floor or vacuuming or dusting you can do. And then really in just a matter of time, you're completely done with stuff that you can do right there in the moment, right at your home. And you're still sitting at home alone with your thoughts, right? That's why it's so unhealthy. And so unhealthy. We're not meant to live in isolation, to be locked up and cooped up like that, all right? And so that's why it's difficult. If you, if you don't have a, a job, you're between jobs or what have you, that, that you're, you do something constructive and that you set goals, simple goals. And, and another thing, it's almost like journaling where you have those things that you need to get done in the day and then you check them off and you see those things happening. Don't worry about tomorrow and what will help is if you take care of the stuff that you can take care of today. So stay in today. Stay in the moment. And sometimes we need to do that more aggressively. If you're having a panic, if you're prone to panic attacks, you need to learn to do these breathing exercises to calm your system so that you can talk to God nat, uh, um, uh, rationally about it and get to that gratitude power to, you know, those physiological powerhouses of gratitude in our brain. And sometimes these breathing exercises are just a, are an aggressive way to get out of tomorrow and get us aggressively into the moment to calm us from the anxiety of tomorrow. Jesus loves you. He, he loves you. He loves each and every one of us. He has a great plan for our lives. There's healing in him. Sometimes we have conditions that we need to manage, and that's okay as well. But I encourage you, call out for help. If you need some guidance in that, we're here for you. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.